Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford, joined once again today by Jim Frank. Jim, how's it going? It's going great, Al. How are you? Doing well. Uh, Jim, as, as some of you know, have, has been on a few episodes this season, and, and he's my special guest for the 12th and final episode of season four. How does that make you feel, Jim? I mean, you got to... Do you have anyone to thank for such an honor? Oh, for being the last one, what I what I was going to say is that, like, everything I'm now told, it just makes me feel old. But, uh, wow, four seasons. Wow. That's a lot of podcasts, though. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and we're looking forward to making some more. Um, this will be the last episode of season four, and then we'll take about a six-week hiatus and resume the podcast uh, that first week of April. So for anyone, loyal listeners out there, look for us to return the week before uh, a tiny tournament in Augusta, Georgia. The name escapes me. Mm. Um, yeah. I forget, we'll be back. Yeah. I think I've been to that one. Yeah. Are you going to use the six weeks to do a little golf travel, Al? Well, um, I have some personal travel. I will be an uncle soon, so that's part of the deal. I got kind of have to build everything around that, so... Once that happens, happy times in the Lunsford family. But hopefully I get to play some golf in between. How about yourself? Uh, well, I've got some travel coming up, mostly to the southeast, going back down to the West Palm Beach area in a couple of weeks, and then actually going back down towards you guys, not quite as far as Hilton Head, going to be in South Carolina with a little personal travel that I hope to sneak a round or two in. Uh, yeah, I've... Uh, I've had a very busy, as I think we have documented in some of the past podcasts, I did a lot of travel, particularly the end of last year. And I know this podcast is talking about the last of those travels, and I would honestly say last and best, but uh, I'll let you cue it up then. Well, that was a hell of a segue from you. You really <laughs> know how to bring it all together. But yes, we're we're here to talk about a little place called... Cabo on the Baja Peninsula. Jim wrote a, a wonderful piece that uh, is in our winter 2020 issue, um, which should be in homes for anyone who subscribes to Lynx Magazine. Anyone that doesn't go to our website to subscribe. Jim spent a week or so there and uh, and got to play a lot of golf and, and really see uh, this place is booming with courses. It is indeed. Um, I hadn't been in Cabo in about somewhere between 20 and 25 years. I don't even remember. All I remember is the last time I was there, they had just opened the new airport. And having been just there and seeing what is going on, they may need a newer airport. I mean, it really is just a lot happening there. In fact, the idea for this piece, which I pitched, was I don't think there is another place, certainly in our hemisphere, and except for parts of Asia, I don't think there's anywhere in the world where there's so much new golf construction, new golf course construction, as there has been the last couple of years in Cabo. And that's on top of a pretty good base of existing courses. I mean, you know, right now you have courses from Jack Nicklaus, Tom Fazio, Tiger Woods, Tom Weitzkopf, Fred Couples, Greg Norman, Davis Love III, Robert Trent Jones Jr. Um, I may have missed a couple of guys in there. Um, and you know, there have been four or five courses in the last couple of years that they're just, partly it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. 
the golf courses are almost all right on or certainly in view of water because, as you said, it's at the tip of the Baja Peninsula. And because it's a peninsula, it has water on most sides and you see it from almost everywhere. It's a desert with ocean. So it's a it's really, really a beautiful place to go and stay. And that's another thing, along with pretty good golf. They've got pretty good places to stay and eat. Um, it truly is a uh, it is a tourism paradise. And uh, not having been in a long time, I had forgotten that. And having been, and as you and I were talking about just a minute ago, Al, you're down in South Carolina where a storm rolled through last night. I'm in New York City where the winds are howling and it's about to drop 30 degrees. And I can't think of a place I would rather be right now instead other than Cabo. Right. I mean, that's, and, that's, that's a place I, I'm ready to go back right now. Yeah. And you mentioned in the piece, we're right in that wheelhouse uh, between Thanksgiving and May is kind of the ideal time to get over to Cabo. And, and here we are, dead center of it. I, I was there the second week of December. It was 75 degrees every day. If there were clouds in the sky, they were not in the way of the sun. They were off over the ocean somewhere. There's no humidity at that time of year. There are no bugs. And they said, oh, yeah, every day is like this for about six months. Now, it changes come summer. It gets pretty hot. It gets a lot more humid. Remember, you're on on the water, so it does that. But, you know, it's a it's extremely popular place from, as you said, Thanksgiving through through May amazing resorts, also a number of very prominent golf communities, mostly populated with Americans and Canadians. I kept I kept meeting people from like Calgary. And while it was 75, they kept reminding me it was minus 11 in Calgary when they were there. Jeez. And so they were all, you know, great big smiles on the, on their faces because it's the West. You know, it's the tip of, you know, it's the tip of Baja. So it's the extension of California. It's our West Coast, although surprisingly, it's not in the Western time zone. It's in the mountain time zone, which threw me off. And and one other thing, well, two other important things about Cabo that I just wanted to talk about before we get into the, you know, the courses. I was going to ask you all of this makes sense as to why there would be there would be so much construction uh, happening there uh, and, and more and more courses keep popping up. That was one of the things I was going to ask you. There are some things that, you know, people need to know. It's all very popular, the place to be. But what should travelers who are planning a trip to Cabo, what are some of those things that they need to take into account? Right. Uh, absolutely. So the first thing is it's not cheap. It's not that expensive to get there. You can fly there. I don't I don't know if there's a nonstop from the East Coast. You can fly easily from through L.A., Dallas, Atlanta. I actually flew New York to Mexico City and Mexico City to Baja. From the East Coast, it was about, oh, I don't know, six or seven hours even with the stopover. But certainly all of the southern cities, Atlanta, the Texas cities, Southern California have nonstop. So it's very convenient. And a lot of, stop, uh, and a lot of flights from all of the big U.S. air carriers. So that's pretty easy. And the airport's fine. When you get there, you know, sort of as soon as you get off the airplane, you're like, you just start to relax. But the resorts are expensive. The golf is particularly the newest and the 
what I would consider the best courses can be rather pricey. And for a number of them, you have to stay at a particular property to get access because they are private, because they're communities, they might have ways to access them from a resort. So you're going to have to check around and see what the policies are. And then, so you're already paying, you know, probably $500, a $1,000 a night for some of these resorts, on top of which are greens fees that can be another 250 to $400. Is it worth it? You know, that's a judgment call I won't make for others, but I promise you it is um, pretty spectacular stuff. There is a little bit of public golf, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but it's it's good. It's not as good, but nothing seemed very crowded. Uh, you know, maybe it gets more crowded right around the holidays. As I said, I was there a couple of weeks before the holidays. That's when people start to come in. They tend to come in, you know, certainly by Christmas and New Year's and then stay you know, roughly till about Easter. That's when the most foreigners are there and that's um and that's a lot of the reason that it has become so popular is they just keep drawing more and more americans and as i said canadians down there great weather once you're actually there you know if you've already bought into a a home in a community and you're staying at a resort the other things are not that terribly expensive food drink you know it's resort pricing. Also, there's so much else to do. Cabo has always been one of the great fishing capitals of the world, particularly deep sea. You can charter boats for a half day, a you know, full day, even, even, even longer. They go well out into the ocean and go after really big fish, many of which you can virtually see standing on the beach. I mean, you would see all this activity as schools of tarpon and marlin and things were out there. Um, I happened to be there at a good time for seeing some whales. Whale watching is an incredibly popular activity there in the right season. And um, I saw a lot of spouts and a lot of flukes, you know, didn't see any whole whales sort of breaching, but, um, and they were amazingly close to shore. So it's, and then there's hiking and, uh, you know, all kinds of outdoor activities and water activities. So there is a lot to do besides golf. In fact, I think I started the piece in the new issue saying I would go back even if there weren't golf. Um, I might have exaggerated that a little bit, but um, there is more than enough to do, certainly. Then the other thing, of course, that everyone wants to know about is because it is Mexico is, is it safe? And, um, it is safe. Cabo is Hawaii, as far as Mexico is concerned. It might as well be an island. It's not on the mainland, so it's already a different, uh, different environment in a lot of ways. It's at the tip of a peninsula that is, you know, not very heavily populated. Now, that's not to say there isn't going to be some issues, just as you have to be smart and safe when you travel anywhere, particularly when you're in the city, which is Cabo San Lucas at the tip of the area. It's kind of a touristy honky-tonk. You know, you can drink and carouse and do all kinds of things there. But what we call Cabo is actually sort of a stretch up the peninsula of a couple of miles, mostly on the 
eastern coast, which is actually on the Sea of Cortez, not on the Pacific, although the Pacific side is being developed more and more. In fact, the first course we're going to talk about is on the Pacific side. So it's almost like a like a little hook sort of running down the east coast of the bottom of the peninsula and sort of hooking up around and starting up on the west side. Pretty easy to get around. I actually rented a car because I like to drive myself. The roads are uh, <laughs> a variety of roads from pretty modern highways coming in from the airport to some washed out roads in town. So, you know, uh, it's an adventure. But it's very doable, and um, you know, and as long as you travel smart the way you would anywhere else, I think you'll be fine. I'm glad you mentioned all of that because we talk a lot about a lot of really amazing places in the magazine and and on the podcast, and a lot of people may consider going to these places. So it's important to know some of those underlying things in the back of people's head and what ifs and and all that. So. I appreciate you giving that perspective. Well, um, yeah, and, and, you know, also, because we travel as golfers, and, you know, I don't want to say that we're targets, and, you know, we are sort of doing things all during the day, and then we might want to catch up on stuff at night. And, you know, you want to go out to eat, and you want to go to, you know, clubs or to bars or to shops or something. And you just, as I said, you've just got to be – sort of mindful, um, you know, be careful where you park, be careful where you keep your wallet, you know, just things like that. I had no issues at all. Uh, I was driving around. In fact, I had my wife with me for a couple of days and, you know, we had to park a couple of blocks from the middle of town a few times. We never felt in danger. We never felt uncomfortable at all. But, you know, just keep your eyes eyes open, ears open and aware because you're in a foreign country and, you know, you're obviously a tourist. Sure. And I, I thought it was good what you mentioned about um, a lot of these clubs we're going to talk about are private. However, you can have access to them by staying at certain places and those are also outlined uh, in your piece in the magazine. So how about we get to the golf then uh, okay. and start with the, the course that you had mentioned we love this course at Lynx. Clearly, it's on our cover of the magazine. Uh, we're, we'd have it in our first peak, and it's part of Jim's Consummate Cabo piece. And that would be the newest course on Cabo, Rancho San Lucas, a Greg Norman design. Take it away. Well, it's funny. I just ran into Greg a couple of weeks ago at the Big Golf trade show, and he was there to talk about a product he was endorsing and i said greg i'm not going to talk about that i just have to tell you i'm just back from cabo and i kid you not i think this is the best golf course you have ever done and his eyes lit up and he said you were down there because it opens officially at the end of february week after next or something as we record this and there's a whole big group of media people on their way down there i drove the whole thing it was not ready to play the only people out there playing it were the caddies who were getting used to it and sort of learning to read the greens and stuff. Yeah, it is as a spectacular golf course, as I said. So this is on the ocean side, so on the western side of town, as it were. Uh, probably about five miles, maybe 15, 20 minutes without traffic, and there's always traffic from the from the very bottom of the of the town. It is associated with a hotel, so you can stay there. It'll also have residences. 
But right now is the time to play it because there is nothing around it. And Greg did this amazing job of crossing really three, at least three different sort of topographic geographic areas, including about six holes that are in ocean sand sort of dunes, more than dunes. It's just it is just as if they've been dropped on the beach. You don't see the other holes. They're kind of nestled in among these constantly changing wind-blown sand hills, and that's part of them. Some of them are in a more of a cactus forest sort of topography. Then the others kind of cross in between, and it is very much... It's very much a lynx. There is a lot of wind, particularly at certain times of the year, and you're right on the ocean. So he actually sort of constructed this so there are like 12 holes. You can actually play 12 of the holes that are so secluded from the wind that they figure when it's really kind of blowing out there, people will just play those 12 so that they have sort of an easier time of it. So this is a sort of course within a course. But it goes over a lot of land, up and down through these sand hills, views of the ocean for just miles and miles and miles over the beach, out to the water, cactus. And it's just this perfect sort of, imagine this at a great big Scottish lynx, but about 30 degrees warmer with cactus. It's, it's really something to see. I, I, I was just blown away hole after hole after hole. And, and it has this very interesting thing they did is they so the bunkers, as they do in, in the UK often, are made of stacked turf so that the edges have this um, stacked look. What they did is all of this turf came from, came from soccer stadia in Wales. They imported, they like ripped up all the fields. I mean, I think they were doing it anyway. They weren't doing it just for this, I'm sure. And they imported all this Scottish turf, and that's what they built up the bunkers with. So it has this British Isles feel, feel to it, and yet, you know, it's, it's a completely different latitude, or is it longitude, or both. So really something to see. And I can't wait to play it, um, which I will whenever I get back there. Uh, that's uh, that, that was my one regret, was I toured it all every inch of it and couldn't play it so well, it, it hurt i'm sure you'll get back and and i'm glad you mentioned that the revetted bunkers you know i just went and visited greg's course in uh just north of atlanta tpc sugarloaf which is his first u.s design and he did the same thing there so he's got a thing for these revetted bunkers right now he's built them all over the place it, you know part of it is the look you know they, they they're there's a lot of competition and they're trying to bring aspects of the visual so that you remember it and you think of it. And, you know, part of it is this evoking, evoking the British Isles courses, but um, it's also very environmentally sound. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a big win all around and, uh, and it's unforgettable when you see it. And then the other thing I thought was cool, and that's part of our um, first peak piece. You mentioned it kind of, but he's routed that that 12 holes sort of secluded from the wind and into a par 49 layout if you were to play just those 12. 
about forty nine. Oh, really? Oh, that that I didn't know. Par forty nine. It's it's. Uh, we're seeing more and more of this. Just finding alternative ways to enjoy playing. You know, it doesn't have to be eighteen. And I'm sure that you could go out there and play. You know, three holes or six holes too. It will be a private club. Um, it is associated with the Grand Solmar Hotel. That's right there. But um, once you're out on the course, you could be, there are spots where you could be in the middle of nowhere. You just don't see anything but the hole you're on and this, and these long sort of corridors of, of sand. It's really something. Yeah, the imagery is really great. Likewise, with another player turned architects course that we'll transition to here, um, and that's Fred Couples has built uh, the Twin Dolphin course. Um, and this is only a couple of years old now too. Did you have the chance to play that one? I did indeed. And I, I'm torn. That probably was my favorite course of the trip, although they were all really, really good. But this one, it was partly because it's new, partly because unlike the, unlike Grace course, which is down at, at water level, Fred's course, Twin Dolphin is up in the hills, as soon as you sort of head um, inland from the water, the whole Cabo area starts to climb up these hills. Some are mountains, but it's mostly just this rolling, hilly plateaus. So wherever you are up there, and it rolls for miles and miles and miles, you have these amazing elevated views over the water, over the land. Again, the photographs, which are in the issue are really stunning because it's all filled with these hills and dales and plateaus and all these sort of things. And Fred, with his uh, architecture partner, Todd Eckenrode, who's a pretty well-known architect of, on his own, just did this amazing job of making what is truly the most player-friendly course I can think of. It's extremely wide. I can only remember one hole where there's a any kind of forced carry into a green. I mean, there are hazards, and it drops off off the side. But, I mean, you have really got to work to get into trouble. And yet there's a lot of, you know, a lot of rolling, a lot of, you know, that kind of, again, that kind of lynx-like feel on the ground, but you're kind of up, uh, up in the air. Sort of like Bandon, but again, you know, totally different weather, totally different landscape and what was interesting is that fred was the one who kept wanting to make it easier everyone said oh yeah you know todd wanted to do what architects want to do and fred which makes perfect sense what everyone sort of thinks of fred couples you know laid back easygoing said no no we need a little more room don't put a bunker there that will get in the way of people let them really enjoy it and um it is incredibly enjoyable now this is a really high-end golf community the only way for outside play is you have to stay not that this is a hardship at all there is a hotel called the montage los cabos and anyone who's familiar with the montage hotel chain automatically their eyes just lit up trust me one of the great hotelleries in the world it's a small boutique magnificent hotel <laughs> really expensive worth it to me. And then from there, you can pay another, oh, I want to say it was like $400, maybe more, don't quote me, to play the course. 
but it is just, uh, oh my goodness, it was just quite an experience. If you're a member at Twin Dolphin, and there are only a few houses there, and they're more kind of going up. It's not, it's in the early stages. Fred has a house there and stays there a lot. He loves it. He comes down to play in the member guest. And, and in fact, if I remember the story the pro told me, I think he lost in a playoff last year to somebody. I assume he was giving him strokes. But um, he loves it. He's there a lot, hangs out. It's one of those courses, and you see a lot of them, particularly the private community courses. They have these things they call comfort stations, which, you know, you might think of your usual kind of halfway house. Uh-uh, uh-uh, First of all, there are two or three on some of these courses. You go in and... You know, they have almost anything you could possibly want, every kind of candy, every kind of liquor. There are people in there who are constantly, they're barbecuing, they're grilling um, Kobe beef burgers, shrimp on a spit, as I said, a lot of tequila. I We walked in, I don't know, we were playing in the morning. They were waiting for us with freshly made breakfast burritos. Um, and it was just, you know, about every four or five holes you encounter one of these. So it can be a, a long and high caloric round, but, um, you know, such is the advantage of exclusivity. I was told that uh, last year during the Masters, a foursome went out to, to play. They stopped at the first comfort station where there's at least two TV sets, as I recall, one inside and one in this kind of shaded porch area and they just watch the masters for a few hours and then finish their round i mean it is not a bad way to live al sounds like it and there's also you mentioned a uh, a little 19th hole there to settle things off if, if need be yeah that might be the hardest hole of all it's about a i think it was 100 yards 95 yards that is over a uh, kind of a chasm to a green that drops off pretty steeply but it's a great way to sort of kind of get back to the clubhouse, hit kind of one hard shot, and you know maybe you need one extra hole to work off all that food and drink you've been enjoying along the way. Oh yeah, it's just this sort of perfect little uh, like an after dinner drink after the round. It just it was a oh my goodness, I can see the course now. Um, I just had a blast. It, it's. Uh, so playable, so enjoyable, challenging, as much challenge as you want, but incredibly comfortable. I'm just losing all of my stress just talking about it. Speaking of losing stress and, and drinking and whatnot, let's go on to the next course where I really liked the the way it, the round begins, how you described at Chileno Bay, a Tom Fazio. Chileno Bay is a great story. Um, this is actually kind of a mulligan for Tom Fazio. He had done the course a number of years ago. This is another one, sort of like Twin Dolphin, that's up away from the water, up in the hills, amazing views. This is one of the best routings of a Fazio course. Not that Tom ever does a bad one, but it is so well done. It is just such a pleasure to play. So he did this course, I, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago or so. And then the property was purchased by the Discovery Land Company people, you know, those who do um, a number of really fancy, high-end, very private, exclusive 
communities, mostly in the West, but they have them all over. And they're very big on celebrities. Uh, you know, people like Wayne Gretzky own there. Tom Brady has property at a few of them. People like that. Partly because it's a very sort of L.A., California group to begin with. The owner was a partner with George Clooney, among others, in a tequila company called Casamigos that you may have heard of. Michael Meldman, who was the president of the company, and Clooney and their partner recently sold Casamigos for something like a billion dollars, I was told. Not that any of them need another third of a billion dollars. But there is a lot of Casamigos everywhere you go at Chileno Bay. Once you get onto the property, and let me just sort of preface this, that's another one, very private. There is a Chileno Bay resort that you have to stay at to play it. Interestingly, the resort is not owned by the same people that own the course and the community, but the deal when the purchase went through is they have to give access to resort guests. I don't know how many. I, From what I could tell, not many a day because it is very expensive and really private. I mean, you, you like go through so many gates. It's the only place where they actually sort of opened up the door to the van we were in. And the guards kind of looked at us like, uh, like, are we okay? And then we, drew, then we drive up, and it isn't like there's anybody else there. <laughs> it was that private. And then you, you know, everywhere you go, the practice range, all around the course, these comfort stations, and tequila, tequila, tequila. So they have a tradition, if you will. The first shot at Chileno Bay on the golf course, before as you're walking to the first tee, there's a little table stand kind of set up with a bunch of Casamigos tequila. And they give you a, uh, a shot glass, but it's actually made of ice. And you get to choose, I think there are three or four different tequila types you can try. You choose the one you want. You take the shot, so you toss down the drink. And then you take your iced shot glass and they stand you about mm, i don't know 10 12 feet from this giant cactus that has hanging from it a bucket with holes in the bucket and your first shot is trying to throw this iced shot glass into the bucket now it's a lot harder than it sounds partly you just toss down a shot of tequila but ice very quickly starts to melt particularly up there and so it's kind of wet and slippery they were very impressed. I hit the bucket, which was a big deal. Uh -huh. I mean, I don't think a lot of them go in. Um, it's kind of hard to judge. You know, it's like if they threw you a basketball that was, you know, 20 pounds heavier or half the size, you know, it would take you a couple of shots. Uh, -uh. You get one and one and done. I at least hit the bucket. It has holes in it because if it does go in, you know, the water should run out. <laughs> somewhere and from there you're off playing this absolutely beautiful everything you expect of a tom fazio i mean the planting they did and that was when tom came back with this mulligan after the property was purchased um and this was i want to say two three years ago didn't make any real changes to the routing you know did a couple of cosmetic things i think fixed a couple of greens did a few things, but the planting, they must have spent thousands and thousands of dollars. It is just so lush with flowers. 
so much color and so much um, just a lot. It is it is one of those classic sort of Fazio visual feasts, along with the fact that you're up on these hills, looking out over over the water, hitting some really challenging shots. A lot of sort of domed and sloping greens, some forced carries over arroyos and chasms and cacti. There's just a lot, a lot going on. Yet it is uh, a wonderful round. I would say a little more challenging than Twin Dolphin. The land a little more up and down, but um, and and there's a, at least one lake that I remember, and I don't know if it was artificial or you know, I mean, if it was there or if they created it probably for irrigation purposes. So you're playing around water, which is something I don't remember on any of the other sort of inland courses. Very fast. Oh, at the same trade show where I saw Greg, I also happened to see Tom Fazio, and I said to him, hey, Tom, I was just down, you know, and I just played Chileno Bay. And he said, ah, Chileno Bay, Mrs. Fazio's favorite Fazio golf course. Mm. (laughs) And I wanted to say, is that because of the playing it or because it means she's in Cabo? But I didn't, but I think it was kind of a combination. Yeah, truly a... Again, a very expensive, uh, a very expensive day because you also have to stay at the uh, at the resort by the same name. It's also called Chileno Bay, which is again a lovely boutique, right down on the water, a really cool resort. That might have been the most um, interesting resort. Just a lot kind of going on, a lot of stuff for families and kids. Really neat rooms. It just it was a great. Um, great spot but it'll you know it'll set you back you know probably to play there even if you just stay one night at the resort and you play there you know you're probably looking at two thousand dollars before you've hit a ball so yep well and going back a couple things that first shot if you weren't warmed up before you got to the tee certainly warmed up after that shot you know it's really hard to hit a bad shot after you've had a shot or two of tequila you just fine who cares let's go it was it's a great way to if you have any anxiety or if you're way too serious about golf i highly recommend the tequila training aid the other thing i liked was the the line you had about it's routing in the every club in the bag diversity of the course it's something that i've started to think about more the more courses i play how how many clubs in the bag that I'm using on a given day and how that kind of translates to a pretty good experience. I don't want to be out there hitting pitching wedge and six iron all day right. um, into approaches. So it, that was unique too. You know, that's a whole thing that we could talk about some other time, but part of it is all of these courses have a number of T choices and it's always worth asking, you know, look, I play, uh, you know, X kind of game. I'm, you know, not a long hitter, I'm a higher handicapper, whatever it is. And, and you know, let let someone in the pro shop suggest which tee you play. Automatically, you know, heading all the way far back is not going to guarantee that you see the course the way it really is. You can yeah. kind of go back there and see, oh, my God, look at that tee shot. I remember at Twin Dolphin, I played with the pro, Eric, and he took me back to a couple of, just to sort of show me where they were. And it's on courses like that, you kind of want to see him 
really for the scenery. But I mean, I was not going to try a 250 yard carry over an Arroyo. Sorry, I, you know, I could never do that. And, you know, certainly not now in my dotage, but um, choose the right tees. And that really does help you get that every club in the bag experience. It's also, I think, a mark of a good course that there's enough of that variety. And there were particularly, well, those two courses in particular, there are a couple of long holes. You know, there were a few where it was driver, fairway wood, setting up a, you know, mid to short iron in. And then, you know, you had a couple of really neat 100 to 130 yard par threes. So you were getting a lot of different stuff in there, a lot of different looks. Yeah, it's uh, those two courses in particular were especially good at that. The next three courses you talk about, three or so, I'm not positive, within the piece, we're transitioning to some Jack Nicholas layouts. Can you speak to, to those? I, I wasn't I'm trying to follow which ones you actually played and which okay, ones. Okay, yeah, I know oh. it's a bit much. So Jack sort of invented Cabo. In fact, uh, Al, is it in this same issue where we have the article on Jack at 80? Yes, yeah, it is. I, I believe it is. If you read, there is another article. Coincidentally, everyone should know that Jack Nicholas just turned 80 years old, January 21st, 23rd, something like that. And there's a very interesting piece by Adam Shupak in there about Jack's more his architectural legacy. But Adam makes the point in there, so I didn't have to, that Jack largely helped invent Cabo as a golf place, um, starting back in the very early 90s with a couple of courses. So he did three nines at a place called Palmilla, P-A-L-M-I-L-L-A, Palmilla, which is probably the most famous because it was the first resort and community. still has one of the great hotels down there, the one and only spectacular place. I had lunch there, and then we toured some of the golf courses. There are three nines that are uh, Ocean, Arroyo, and Mountain, which right away sort of tell you what they are. And I remember, I'm sure I played them when I was there 25 years ago. They are very Jack, which, you know, after seeing these other ones, you know, a lot of, a lot of big, big bunkers, particularly Mountain and Arroyo are obviously up and down and a lot of force carries. Uh, that very big kind of jack look from the 90s that, you know, I think a lot of other architects are sort of getting away from. But again, think when they were built and they were creating this resort area that, you know, early on. The problem with Palmia, which is also a very big community, right now it's a maintenance issue. Um, granted, they had some storms right before I was there, but... They could use to do a little investing. Um, I believe uh, Pamia, I think it is now Troon Management that is overseeing the golf course operations. They're talking about, you know, kind of bringing it back up to where it was because once upon a time it was spectacular. It slipped a little maintenance-wise, you know, could certainly have been the, the time of year I was there. They might have been in the planning stages. They did have this big storm, but... It's a different kind of golf. It's a little more old school, big jack. You know, you stand on some tees and you are just looking at trouble. And um, so not as comforting, but, uh, you know, certainly one of the grand doms of the Cabo area. The other is a place that people who have been down there certainly will know, which is called 
Cabo del Sol, a resort again with a private club wrapped into it. So there are two courses there. The original one, Ocean, is probably Jack's most famous course down there. That is a course that has perennially been on the top 100 course lists around the world. It may have slipped a little bit, but also I think that's mid-early 90s. Spectacular golf course. Originally right on the ocean with a finish of just these spectacular along-the-water holes. Well, Cabo del Sol has changed management. Unfortunately, to some people, uh, in fact, when I was going down there, a lot of people said, you know, tell us what's happened at Cabo del Sol. We heard they've destroyed it. Well, they didn't. They took some of the ocean holes. They're turning them into real estate. They built some new pretty dramatic holes, a par three over water kind of thing. Yeah, the old purists are going to be unhappy about it. And, you know, I think they have a right to be in some regards. But it's still a beautiful, very good, very challenging course. But what's happening to the ocean course is it's going to become private. In fact, they've already changed changed the name of it to the Cove Club. And the Cove Club is now a private community club within the Cabo del Sol community. And then the other course, which was sort of my sleeper of the trip, um, is a Tom Weisskopf course called the Desert Course which is a little bit inland from ocean, but that's also going to be very redone. They're going to build six, six new holes, even higher up the hill. It's going to get its own clubhouse. That's going to be the more public access course. And all this work is going to start soon. In fact, as I said, they've already redone the ocean course. They are doing a lot of building of homes. They're also adding uh, at least two hotels, uh, of Four Seasons, and I think it's a Hyatt. But whether you'll be able to get access to the original ocean course that Jack did, I don't really know. You can now, but I think it's going to go away. They just start sort of saying how quickly. And the Weisskopf course, which is, um, I mean, I'm a big Tom Weisskopf fan as an architect, you know, open, fun, pretty, uh, you know, sort of in that land between the ocean and up in the hills. So a little bit kind of different topography. They're bringing in, I think it's Dana Fry is going to be doing, redoing it and adding these holes. And as, as I said, a new clubhouse and a whole separate practice area. So they're doing a lot to sort of bifurcate that community into a private part and a more public access, or I should say resort access part. But it is still, I mean, that's the property everybody who has ever been to Cabo will have heard of, um, and for very good reason. Gotcha. And then the last Jack course that you mentioned is... Quivira. Oh, my goodness. So that's... If you want to see modern Jack at his most exciting, you go to Quivira. So this is pretty much almost at the point of the peninsula, just outside the city of Cabo San Lucas. In fact, I drove in from the airport. It's about a 45-minute drive from the airport to the tip of the of the uh, area. Um, and uh, Kavir is part of a, uh, there's a very popular, uh, elegant upscale hotel chain in the area called Pueblo Bonito. And they have, I think it's a total of five hotels all around the Cabo area. And two or three of them are right at the tip of the 
peninsula and the golf course is sort of next to them. You have to drive to it, but it's a minute or two away. They can shuttle you over. And I drove there at night and um, it gets dark, really dark. I mean, it was winter, not a lot of street lights. I wind up in the city, totally lost. My GPS was uh, I don't want to say worthless because it did get me sort of there, but all of a sudden there would be a road washed out or something. And I wind up kind of in the property finally. And oh, it was, <laughs> I think the lesson is land in Cabo during the day. So you don't have to drive at night or particularly not your first night. They're great resorts, the Pueblo Bonito properties. And they're right there at the tip, right on the, right on the water with incredible views and they're really big with pools and spas and they're almost sort of uh, cities unto the, unto themselves you know with markets and places to eat and great great restaurants and there's a sports bar that's really popular and all this stuff and then you go as I said just a couple of minutes away along the water and there is this massive golf course that Jack did that is both water and Mountain. In fact, what everyone sort of knows about Kavira is he plays into this great big mountain on the water. And there is one hole, I think it's number five and then six. You go, there's a really long sort of cart drive. These are not walkable courses. I don't think any of them are really walkable. It's just one of the, you are hitting sort of down a mountain. And it's not like a par three where you're just kind of lofting it over. You know, you have got to thread this shot. I think I hit five iron just to make sure I could find the fairway that looked like looked like about as wide as a matchstick from where it is. And there's this great big side of a mountain. You're trying to keep it up and you're trying to play the slope and you got to keep it up on the right. And you hope it starts to kind of run down. And I hit it perfectly, but it just kind of hung up. And then it was like... I think the smart play, I mean, it must have been a drop of, I don't know, 60, 70 feet, maybe more to this green perched out along the water. I mean, it is it is vertigo. It is exciting. It is heart throbbing. It is just one of those where you stand there thinking, I don't know what to do. And it's funny. It's And, and then you go the opposite way. Then you go up from there. So, in fact, after we finished the hole, we were driving away. And we heard the guys behind us, there was a twosome on the tee, and they must have tried to drive the green, which you can do. But it's got to be 320 yards all in the air, or just, well, not all in the air, but largely in the air, over this, you know, crashing ocean part. And, you know, we like heard this, yeah, you know, this great big dream. I wasn't from that tee, and I and I don't hit it like that. But it's that kind of thing. I mean, it is heart-pounding and... Really exciting. And it's halfway through the front nine. And then you yeah. sort of head up. <laughs> and then you sort of head up inland a little bit and kind of up the side of the mountains and through the desert. It's really, it's Big Jack again, but it's new Big Jack. So it's wide open. And my big argument with the course, if I had one, and, you know, you talk about make sure you play from the right tees. There was drop off even in the fairways. If you didn't reach a fairway, it could roll back on you a good 30 yards into the gunch. It was really one of those where you were just, uh, you know, kind of mind beaten at, at points. And it's like that. I mean, spectacularly beautiful and right along the ocean and it's up and down and 
fields of cactus and all this stuff. But, oh, my God, you just said, Jack, what? I mean, you win. I give. I mean, this is just – I mean, you were breathless really from the views, but also you've got to bring your game. As wide as that course is, you have got to get it into the right places. Otherwise, you were you – know, as wide as it looked, you, you, you could be either dead or just dead tired. Vacation golf. No one ever said it was going to be easy. Just <laughs> well, you know, someone's got to do the job, Al, and I volunteered. Luckily, that was the first course I played was yeah. Kavira. Um, well, I mean, I like got out of the plane at, uh, you know, one night. I think I got to the hotel, as I said, in the pitch dark about 10 o'clock. I think my dinner that night was a beer from the room fridge. And then I was on the first tee at 8 the next morning. So, um uh, which is, you know, we do we do that when we do vacation golf uh, mm-hmm. or work golf, if you will. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you, that's the other thing about Cabo is it was easy to do there. Partly it's the great weather. Partly you feel energized because it is just such a uh, an exciting, um, enjoyable, relaxing, fun place. As I said, I cannot recommend enough that if anyone hasn't been or if they're looking for this combination of really elegant resort beautiful challenging expensive golf a great place to come with a loved one (laughs) there's a lot to do as i said you know water sports the you know town carousing a great place if you're looking for a golf community to live in you know, it's uh, maybe not year round. I know a number of people who spend, you know, half the year or yeah, half the year down there and the rest somewhere up north, sort of instead of either Florida or, you know, Southern California. It's a different, you know, you get in that whole sort of expat thing. And I know some people and I met a lot of them. It's a different world. They love it. It's just foreign enough. Um, yet, um, you know, one of the most we were driving somewhere and I had to put gas in the car. And, you know, it's one of those where it's it's in liters and you're trying to figure out what does it cost and all this stuff. And I was all set to give the guy um, a credit card. And, you know, he's like punching it in. And then they take dollars in the gas station. They took dollars in the toll booth. They are so set up for tourism that they take dollars everywhere. In fact, I never... I don't think I ever converted any money into pesos. I either charged or used dollars. I never needed, you know, if I had gone into a bar, maybe I would have used, you know, pesos. But even there, everywhere it went, they take dollars and Canadian dollars. So they're used to, you know, this is a travel-based, tourism-centric economy. And they're, you know, very, very mindful about taking, taking good care of, of the visitors. And you mentioned a lot of, you talked about a lot of good courses that you got to experience. You mentioned a couple others, Diamante with a Davis Love III and Tiger Woods design. You've got Costas Palmas, which is an RTJ, second, and a Corincia, another Tom Fazio. The list goes on and probably will continue to go on if history is any indication of of what's been going on there. I I think there's, I think it's now there are 18 courses, I think with with the new norm, it'll be 18 and, you know, all within, oh my God, not even an hour's drive, I would think from the furthest away. 
all very close, very different in some ways, and yet, you know, great weather, most of them very private. They take very good care of you. A lot of them have those comfort stations, so you can, and the, and the food and stuff is included in the green fee. So, you know, even at, um, even at the one most sort of public course I played, which is a, which is a place called Puerto Los Cabos, where they presently have 18 holes from Jack and nine from Greg Norman. There is another nine that'll be built eventually, and you wind up playing one Jack nine and the Greg nine. That's the usual rotation if you come in as a guest, and that's sort of the normal sort of, um, it is a community, but they take outside play, you know, from anyone. You can just call up. Even there, um, the comfort stations were included. So, you know, tacos and burritos and beers and tequila and, you know, candy bars and all that sort of stuff. It's it just, you know, they, <laughs> what can I say? They take really good care of you. Well, you've sold me. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out a way to get there. Probably sold a lot of other people listening to this too. But I just want to thank you again for your time and, and giving Cabo, shedding some light on Cabo. There's plenty of light shed naturally by the sun on that place and people are going to enjoy themselves on the beach or on the course. Um, it just sounds like another paradise over there. So it truly is but, paradise. As I said, think of it as Hawaii. Uh, certainly not any further away, a little more exotic because of the language and, and the culture. Although, you know, everybody speaks English. As I say, they take, they take dollars and, uh, you know, it's got a kind of a raucous nightlife in town. If you want it, it's got a little bit of everything. And, uh, uh, it is really a, uh, worthwhile golf or any other, <laughs> any other reason, vacation destination i cannot recommend it highly enough something for everybody well you can uh read jim's article by subscribing to links magazine if you don't already go to linksmagazine.com uh and click the subscribe button at the top of the page we post a couple pictures on our instagram too at links magazine and that's going to do it for season four of the links golf podcast we appreciate everyone for listening thanks again jim for joining and we will see you in a few weeks, uh, close to the Masters. That's the tournament I was trying to think of. It's oh, the, the Masters. Masters, just that one, that little one. Yeah, just, yes, uh, just popped into my head, yep. So <laughs> we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jim. Take care, Al. Thank you.